0: I uh, appreciate so many folks that have been praying uh, for my health, and things are doing much better. I went to the doctor and uh, got a bunch of medications, and so that's helping, and we thank the Lord for that, and then we'll kind of see where we need to go from there uh, once that's over. Uh, that being said, uh, I have noticed a raspiness, kind of a uh, softerness to my voice, uh, probably from the medications I imagine or maybe from uh, some of the coughing I've done. And uh, I can tell at this point I'm just about at the point of losing my voice. It's getting ready to start cracking, I can tell already. <clears throat> so we probably won't be real long this afternoon. Uh, we'll do what we can. All right, Ephesians chapter number 4 and uh, verse number 29. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 29. We've been on this subject throughout the day today and want to kind of finish up with giving you some very practical helps uh, regarding our speech. In Ephesians chapter 4... Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace <clears throat> unto the hearers. So we spent some time last hour uh, dealing with our words being seasoned uh, with salt and always with grace, and uh, the showing the difference between speech that would indicate that we have been in the presence of the Lord and have been walking with Him and under His influence in our lives. And then speech that would uh, tend to indicate that we were not of of the Lord and we were not following Him or following His teachings or uh, had been around Him. And the importance that there is uh, that we uh, yield our spirit, our hearts, our will to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, especially in the area of our speech. It ought to be something we're very conscious about. Uh, I think a lot of the issues that we deal with in the Christian life with regards to our speech is often because we just simply don't think about it. Uh, and we've we just we've always done that. We've always said this. Uh, Miss Penny and I were talking a little bit after the service, um, talking about all the bad words that she says. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> not really. Uh, we weren't talking about that. But we were talking a little bit about um, how both of us had known... Uh, Preachers, uh, people that were, or at least Christian folks, uh, that were using a word and didn't even realize that it had an ulterior alter mode or ulterior meaning or alternate meaning. Um, that was not a good meaning. It was not a good testimony for a Christian to be saying. Um, And so I want to take some time to give you some practical help, some areas that we want to be careful of our speech in. Uh, I'm going to give you some of them. I'm not going to say them, but I'll spell them for you, okay? Uh, Because if my mom hears them, she'll probably still wash my mouth out with soap. Uh, But I do want to give you some of the euphemisms that are out there uh, that you may not be aware that that's representative of a cuss word. And if you don't know, um, how can you how can you deal with it in your life? So we're going to deal with this, and we're going to take a minute to look at a couple principles from Ephesians uh, chapter 4 that we've just read here. Uh, the first thing I would say this is uh, be careful of any words that would be um, uh, giving itself to taking the Lord's name in vain. Uh, that would certainly include God's name being taken out of its general use, uh, its proper use of scriptural use or Christian use. And using it as an expression. Uh, also, the word Jesus. I've heard people use the name Jesus. Uh, folks, this, these names are to be highly revered. Uh, they're to be um, they're to be reverenced in our lives. They are not to be used to be commonly or rashly thrown around carelessly. And uh, I mentioned before about even some of the uh, uh, the acronym type or the abbreviation, text abbreviation things they are using now, um, that you have to be so careful of. Uh, I, I've, I've seen and heard of people that uh, are Christian folks that uh, will put something in their text that they've seen other people put, and they don't even know what it means. And the sad fact of the matter is, the world does. And they see a Christian's text or post, and they see this on their text or post, and they think, that person claims to be a Christian. Here they are taking God's name in vain or speaking vulgarly uh, in some way. And so uh, the word, of course, the name of God, the name of Jesus being used outside of its intended purpose as a name. But then there are the ones that we use in place of those. And that would be uh, the words like G-O-S-H. Uh, is a, that, that's another uh, use of the word God. Um, G-O-L-L-Y. Um, the word G-E-E is another use of, of, you might as well be using Jesus' name in vain. And that's basically all you're doing is you're you're still using it as a placeholder for the cuss word. In other words, you're saying, I'm not going to say the cuss word, but I'll sign my name to it if you understand what it means. And again, these are things that as a Christian, uh, we may not be aware of. Uh, and so, anything that would lend itself towards taking the Lord's name in vain, um, or the words that replace those words, and are used outside of their proper use, uh, and used in a in a cussing way or a vain way, um, I would even I would go so far as to say this, and, and this is something that maybe all of us, including this pastor, need to be more careful of than we are. And that is being careful how we speak about God and Jesus, even in common conversation. Because sometimes we will even jest or joke about some things and we'll use those names lightheartedly or carelessly. Uh, and I believe the Bible's pretty clear on that even, that we need to be very careful of not using God's name with a sense of reverence. There used to be a time uh, where when the men were scribing Scriptures when they came to the name of God or Jesus, they would go and wash themselves. And then they would go and put a brand clean uh, article of clothing on and get a brand new quill and then sit down and pin the name. That's how much they revered the name of God and the name of Jesus. And now we throw it around very flippantly. Um, I would caution us as Christians, uh, even in discussing God or Jesus, if we do it in a flippant way or a very careless way, be very very careful of that. And then be careful of using expressions like uh, the man upstairs uh, or something along that line. Because again, you're, you're using that uh, in, in a non-respective way. Even if you're referring to God and not using it in a, in a cursing way, you're not giving reverence to the name of God. And so be very careful of things like that. So anything dealing with the name of God, as Christians, we need to have a renewed sense of, of the reverence that is due His name. Um, the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that, uh, that God has given Jesus a name which is above every name uh, and that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. This is the reverence it ought to give. And every tongue should confess that he, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, uh, uh, I think it was uh, Isaiah, I believe it was, I maybe have the wrong book, that said, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so we need to. Uh, this name is is a name to be revered, it is to be uh, reverenced, it is to be respected. And uh, so be careful using it um, outside of outside of its intended purpose, uh, which is to refer to a holy God and a just God and our Savior. And then uh, another group of words that we need to be careful of are words that would. Uh, be used uh, cursing at someone, and oftentimes the words that are used um, in the world are words that are intended to be cursing that person to condemnation. Uh, A word like D-A-M-N, even though it's a biblical word and it's used in its right context, and there's nothing wrong with it in Scripture as it's used to actually express the condemnation of man. But when you use it as an expression, you are verbally cursing another person, saying, I wish you were condemned to hell, is what we're using that word for. And then be careful of the words that are often associated with that, such as D-A-R-N or D-A-N-G. Um, these, again, would be words that would be in replacement uh, of those words. Um, Using names, or calling people names that are um, references to immoral acts or immoral behavior, um, and words that would replace those. Miss um, Penny, I were talking about uh, uh, this again. I hope you. Don't mind. I, I probably shouldn't name you. Forget who I said said this. <laughs> Just wipe it out of your brain for a minute. But um, pardon me. Okay, so she she doesn't say this word. She was telling me of someone she knew that, or, or that she had heard this from someone else. But um, f r i g g i n or f r e a k i n again is a very very vulgar word that's replaced. Um. So be very very careful of things like this. Um. S-H-U-C-K would be another one that you have to be careful of. Again, referring to another uh, cuss word that a lot of people use. Um, Here's one that is used by a lot of Christians. H-E-C-K and used oftentimes to replace the word hell when it's used inappropriately or when it's used in a cursing context. Again, the word hell in itself is not a bad word, it's in Scripture. And it is intended to be used by Christians for that purpose. So don't be afraid of using that word within the bounds of Scripture. But it should never be used as an expression that is a curse expression in the world. Um, And or words that are associated, again, with that. Now, there are other words I could give you, and I'm not going to give you an, an entire list, but I wanted to give you some of the ones that are kind of the more prevalent ones, the more used ones that most people don't realize that that is something. Um, abbreviations, the O-M uh, and then the letter G, again, is taking the Word of God or the name of God in, in vain. Um, so be very careful of that. Uh, don't, don't be very careful of it, just don't use it, okay? Okay. Um, Make sure that as you speak, you're being careful of God's name. Things that would express immoral actions or immoral things that are going on in people's lives. Uh, or condemning someone, uh, cursing them, basically. Uh, the Bible speaks against all of these things. Uh, and then with regards to our speech, not just curse words. But then there is, there is uh, gossip. It also needs to be very carefully done. Uh, there is bearing false witness against someone, slandering someone, um, accusing them of things with the purpose of hurt. And sometimes it's not even whether or not something is true. It's whether or not we have said it in a proper way. And so when the Bible speaks about our words being uh, all the way with grace and seasoned with salt, when it speaks to the fact that our words... Uh, are to be very carefully chosen. Um, We may get on Facebook or Twitter or we may uh, be in a group of people and we may start talking about something that is true about someone, but the way that we're talking about it is done in such a way that you're trying to demean them and cause other people to think ill of them and bring them down. Folks, that should never be the case. Uh, If a brother or sister is overtaken in a fault, we don't talk about them. We go to them and we try to help them. We try to fix them. We try to confront them on it and and be a help to them. And we spoke on that uh, this past Wednesday. By the way, if you weren't here Wednesday night, I would really encourage you, uh, please get that message. Um, Very needful in the day that we're living. uh, This past Wednesday night's message. So please, please, if you weren't here and you haven't listened to it already, uh, please get that message and and listen to it. It goes along with some of what we're dealing with here. So now let's take a minute to look at Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We've we've given you several areas and some words under each of these areas that we need to be cautious about and understand that these are words that can be replacements of uh, actual curse words. Um, Ephesians chapter number 4, verse number 29. Paul says, let no corrupt communication proceed out out of your mouth. So any communication that is what we would consider to be corrupt or worldly or fleshly or ungodly, uh, communication. Now sometimes when we see the word communication in scripture, um, it says, uh, uh, or conversation, excuse me, uh, it's dealing with our lifestyle. And here it's not using the word conversation, it's using the word communication and it's speaking of the fact that it's coming of our mouth. So we know it's not dealing with just the way that we live our life, but how we speak literally the words that come out of our mouth. So it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now that is a chore in and of itself. It doesn't say let a little bit or be careful not to let a lot of. It says let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. This would include all of these things we've discussed today, taking the Lord's name in vain, cursing someone to condemn them, speaking of immoral acts or intents. It would also uh, include things such as slander or gossip. Uh, It would also uh, deal with lies and hypocrisies. Uh, anything that would be of a corruptive nature or fleshly or worldly nature, uh, Paul says, don't let any of it come out of your mouth. Again, as a Christian who has the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us, our speech ought to be able to show that the Holy Spirit is in control of our lives, uh, that He is sitting on the throne, that our will has been submitted to Him, and our speech ought to be an example of that. And then he says this in verse 29, But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. So uh, oftentimes you'll find Paul deals with this, uh, this, or uses this pattern to deal with issues. He'll address things that people are doing wrong. You'll say, don't do those things. And if you're not careful, you'll focus on a lot of, here's what we don't need to do. The Bible says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And really, a lot of people in the world, the reason they're afraid of the Bible or don't want to listen to the Bible or don't want to have anything to do with Christianity is they say, well, there's so many things I can't do because we're always told don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. That's fine, and and it does need to be dealt with. But if all we ever do is teach don't do this, we are left now with a vacuum uh, because we need to be taught what, what should we be doing instead of not doing this. And So Paul does that in this verse. And he says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good. So he's comparing corrupt communication with good communication. And the good communication is characterized. Here's how you know if it's good or not. And these are the tests that you need to compare your speech with. These are the, if you will, the tape measure of what is right for us to speak. This is it. To the use of edifying. So a good question to ask when I speak is, what I just said or what I'm getting ready to say, which would be the better way to go. Don't wait till you've said it to ask it. Is what I'm getting ready to say going to edify? The idea of edifying means to build up, to strengthen, to undergird, to support. Is what I'm getting ready to say, is what is getting ready to come out of my mouth, is this going to be used to edify? Now, does that mean we can't criticize? Most of the time. But sometimes there is a spiritual criticism that's done in a sense of, I'm trying to help you with something. But it needs to be done with that spirit. So be careful of being critical of things. Be careful of just pointing out the wrong in people all the time. Do like Paul did. Say, rather than doing this, why don't we look at Scripture and maybe this would be a better way to approach this. And again, we're not dealing off of our opinions we're dealing off what does the Bible say about these issues. Alright? So he says that which is good. So here's, here's the measure. The rule of measure is to the use of edifying. Does it edify? And then the second uh, measurement is that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Does it cause that person to experience the grace of God? If it doesn't meet those two criteria, then we're not speaking the way we should. And we need to work on it. We need to come and say, Holy Spirit, I need You to help control my tongue. I need You to help me with these areas. Now, the context and the setting of this chapter that, that Paul is dealing with is he's dealing with a lot of sin that had been in uh, the church and, and people in the past. And I want you to back up with me, if you will, in verse number 22. And I want us to look at a couple verses leading up to this. And he says, let's back up to verse 21. He says, if so be that ye have heard of Him, speaking of Christ, and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. Now these are the things that we've learned from Christ that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Why are they deceitful? Because they make us think that they're right. Their appetites that seem to be right But the end thereof are the ways of death. Two different times Solomon deals with that in the book of Proverbs. So he says, be careful. You need to put off the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed, verse 23, in the what? Spirit of your mind. You know, the the sins of the mind are the most common sins among Christians. And the reason is, is because we don't think anybody sees them. But God knows the intents of our heart. God knows our thoughts. I'm not trying to be righteous and holy because I'm worried what men are going to think about me. I want to be righteous and holy because God has commanded me to be so and I want to please Him. And if He can see the thoughts and intents of my heart, then I've got to watch what goes in here. I've got to be so careful of what's up here. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now, I've preached on this verse before, and oftentimes we quote this verse and we misuse it. And that is this, verse 26. Be ye angry... And sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Every time you see a colon, it's like putting a magnifying glass. The statement that was made is a foundational statement, and the statement following it is it's like putting a magnifying glass over it and, and, and expanding on it and causing it to be brought fully into attention or fully into the light so that we can fully understand the statements being made. And if you'll look very carefully, that the verse 26 ends with a colon, and then it says, neither give place to the devil. In other words, verse 26 is in reference to what is said in verse number 27. When it comes to giving place to the devil, we need to be angry. Verse 26 is not saying, be ye angry and sin not. And we often quote it and say, that means I shouldn't let the sun go down on my wrath, so I, we should never be angry, but if we are, make sure we get it right before the end of the day. That is not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying that we're not to give place to the devil, and we ought to be so serious about it that we are angry towards our sin. Anything that would cause us to not be in the new man, to not put away the lying and uh, the, the old nature... To not be renewed in the Spirit. I'm to be angry at it. And that anger will help me to sin not. And then he says, and let not the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let it wane. When we first got saved, there should have been a very strong sense of the sinfulness of our sin. And if we're not careful, if we're not growing in the Christian life, over time we'll begin to think that sin is not quite as sinful as it used to be. And what Paul is expressing to the church at Ephesus here in verse number uh, 26 is don't don't, don't let it get to that place. Fan the flames of your anger towards this sin so that you won't sin and give place to the devil. That's the context of verse 26. As he goes on down, he deals with some other things and corrupt communication is one of those things that we are to be angry about and sin not and let not the sun go down upon our wrath. It is to be that much in front of our focus and our mindset that throughout the day, if our speech does not does not match scripture, if it is not for the good of edifying, if it's not something that is is good that ministers grace to the hearers, then I need to be angry about that speech. I need to be I need to be upset about it. I need to be hatred towards it. I need to say, Lord, I can't even believe I said that. Help me not to do that ever again. And don't let the sun go down on it. This is how important our speech is. It's not one of these things that, well, that was a nice message, Pastor, and I'm glad you did that in passing, and I'm glad we heard it once in five years or so, or whatever it's been. This is a matter that is so of utmost importance that Paul puts it in a list of things under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. He puts it in a list of things. And he says, be angry. Sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath and neither give place to the devil these are the things that will help you are that will that will be giving place to the devil and these are the things we ought to be angry over let him that stole steal no more let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth grieve not the Holy Spirit of God Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. With all, here it is again, malice. Corrupt communication is in the list of things that we are to be angry about in our lives. We're to look at and say, if God hates it, I hate it. And I'm going to always hate it. In fact, if anything, I'm going to hate it more and more as the days go by. I don't want to give place to the devil. I don't want my speech to be such that when people hear it, they don't think of God. They think of the devil. They think of the things of the world. They think of the carnal man. We've given you some practical helps regarding some specific words. But folks, I'm telling you, this is not an exhaustive list. You say, well, how will I know Paul gave us a unit of measurement here. Two things. Is it good to the use of edifying? And does it minister grace unto the hearers? If it doesn't, it doesn't meet the criteria. You say, Pastor, that's a very narrow definition of good speech. You're right. And we're surprised by that because we're not following it. But if we take God at His Word, if Brother Greg was defining good speech, I would probably define it broader than that. But I'm not the one making this. The unit of measurement that God has given to us for speech that is a good speech is it edifies and ministers grace unto the hearers. We need to be very careful of our speech, folks. I hope in a day where we try to address a subject, laying a foundation in Sunday school, building on it in the 11 o'clock, and then giving the practical application of it in the 1 o'clock, I hope this is one of those subjects that will ingrain itself upon our hearts, that we won't quickly forget it, that we will reference and refer back to these these notes, these verses of Scripture, these thoughts that we would meditate upon. it. Because folks, this subject is something that God has put in a very strongly worded list that our response to corrupt communication should be that we're angry about it. That we're not going to let the sun go down upon that wrath towards it. And that we're not going to give place to the devil on it. Does that mean I will never speak wrong again? (laughs) James said the tongue can no man tame. But I'm thankful the Holy Spirit can. And when we do mess up, and we will, we need to be angry about it. Such that it motivates us and causes us to go back to the Holy Spirit again and say, Lord, I messed up here. I need your help again. Help me never to do that again. There are times and people in my life that I have had to go back to on numerous occasions and apologize to them and ask for their forgiveness. I should have never said those things. And while I'm thankful that oftentimes people are gracious enough to forgive, the hurt and the damage and the scars will stay there forever. Until we get to heaven. So let's be careful of our speech. Let's be careful of our speech. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, I pray that You would take uh, the messages that we've taught on this morning... And Lord, we've tried to keep a continuity um, so that it's something that is repetitively reinforced throughout the day.